From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hey everybody and welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast episode 214. I am really excited to be here and I'm Brad Robinson. Today I'm talking about a big dragon of mine I had to contend with when I was going through my anxiety recovery. Now when I was going through my anxiety recovery I was unraveling truths about myself that you know I didn't want to confront you know I had to cut that back on my caffeine I had to sacrifice toxic relationships I had to sacrifice tv and fun to learning about anxiety because anxiety found me I reached rock bottom and when I hit rock bottom I discovered that the only way out was to walk down a different path to get out of this pain and suffering. So I started to tackle all of these other addictions that ran my life and that were a part of my identity. But what's interesting is that once once I unraveled one addiction, another one would come up and then another one. And then I uncovered the mother of all addictions in my life. That was pornography. Pornography was something that was part of who I was since I was 14 or 15, around there when I was going through puberty. I remember going on my family computer and and watching and going on those explicit sites like any young boy would. I mean, can you blame them? Because when you're, when you're going through those hormonal changes, I mean, that's going to drive you to to that if it's available, right? It's understandable and it's also scary as well, which we'll, you know, we'll dive into the reasons behind, the negative reasons behind pornography today. But when I unraveled this realization, it shook me to my core because I tried to stop, but then I couldn't stop. It's, this was a part of me. And today I want to get into the cycle of addiction. I want to get into the habits, how habits are formed, and tools and strategies to overcome an addiction. And but specifically I'm talking about porn, but it doesn't have to be porn for you. This podcast episode is going to be unbelievably useful for you if you know you have your own addictions. Because I can't say you don't have an addiction. We all have our vices. That's 100% true. So I can't wait to dive into this episode because I'm getting personal, but also I want to give you real tools, real strategies to improve on your situation and to get out of that automated state, right? So when I was tackling all these these uh, baby addictions, I don't want to say that because Each mountain is personal to the one who's climbing it. You have to start from the smallest mountains, right? And like caffeine was one of those for me. And at the time, it did not feel like a small mountain, believe me. But you have to set the bar low enough so that you can attain it, right? So after I was attaining these goals of these other uh, smaller mountains, I, I uncovered the big dragon, 
by, this is interesting, I actually stumbled upon a YouTube video of some guy interviewing another guy in his later 20s. And he was talking about going 500 days on NoFap. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I don't know what NoFap is, but 500 days doing something, I mean, that's that's a lot. So I clicked on it. I watched this guy talk about going porn-free for 500 days and no masturbation. He was talking about these benefits. And I was like, what? This is hilarious. This guy is so funny. And I was laughing at this guy because porn was a part of my identity. So when I came into contact with someone who was the, the opposite of porn, you know, it's it's resistance, right? It's it's um, it's like two opposing magnets. So I laughed at him. And, and then what's interesting is that this video haunted my dreams because deep down, I suppose I knew that porn was something that was only weakening me mentally and physically, possibly. Um, but I knew this was something that I had no control over. It was just this unconscious feeling. Something was pulling me towards it. It's hard to explain. You know, you just gravitated towards that information. And so I was. But also because I laughed at him, you know, it's a great sign that I had a static mindset. I was so set in my identity, right? Like I was, I was attached to these external things because I thought without this thing, you know, how can you live your life? How can you be happy? How can you have any meaning in your life? And so I was very, uh, repelled by this interview. And this guy that was on 500 days of NoFap, he was almost the same age, if not the same age I was. So I related to him instantly and I thought, man, a young guy cannot watch porn. It kind of like, it shook me. It really did. It, it haunted me. It planted this, this seed. But since I was already progressing somewhere in this anxiety recovery journey, my mind was also going back to this idea that this might be another challenge for me because I was overcoming these other challenges. My mind was like, maybe this is a, a something that'll make your life 1% better, if that, right? And then I thought, yeah, like, let's try it. So I, going one day without porn, I mean, I realized immediately that this was beyond me because I had no control over it. I felt automated when it came to pornography and my body just like instinctively would, would go into the ritual of watching porn and I went back to these videos of these men on YouTube talking about nofap and it, it, what was also interesting was that I saw that you could live a life without it and that made me go whoa you could live a life but a better life? Is that possible? And that was the beginning of my 
journey into this pornography recovery, uh, well, journey. Um, now I am four years without porn. Four years. No porn, no masturbation. And I am, I'm so grateful that I, I am at this point. I, I'm un- unbelievably, uh, I can't even believe it when I really think about it. it. It's just become my normal, a life without it. And so let's, I want to bring you back to my my younger years, what it was like. So first of all, when I was in high school, I had a flip phone, so I didn't watch anything on my phone. Um, I had a family desktop, so I would watch whatever I could secretly without the family coming into the room. But the access wasn't as what it is today. I mean, it's unbelievably accessible. I mean, every teenager now has a phone in their pocket. I mean, I, I just don't know how young men are getting along nowadays with that in their pocket and going through puberty and having unlimited access 24-7, 5G data to all those videos. And I, 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 it just, I can't even fathom that. But, um, but uh, yeah, that's just a brief history of my addiction. And it, then it was over a decade of watching it. And, well, I guess I should say that an addiction is defined as something that you try and stop doing, but you just can't seem to stop doing. That's the definition of addiction. Now, I want to get into dopamine because dopamine is really important to understand when it comes to addiction. Extreme dopamine hits raise your tolerance level toward the drug, making you require more in order to get back to that great high you previously got. Now, I say drug, but it applies to pornography because pornography is a super stimuli. Dopamine is a craving neurochemical. Craving, important word there, craving. That's why I could and did watch porn for an hour before finishing the craving of the next better video. The next one's going to be better. The other woman is going to be more beautiful than the one I just watched. And now it's what's so interesting is that when you think of our great ancestors, dopamine served them in a different way. It's not different, but I mean, if you think about it, they used to hunt and kill a large animal, bring it back to the tribe, and they would get a huge blast of dopamine. Because dopamine, here's the thing, it secretes itself when we progress toward a goal, when we accomplish something really, uh, well, rewarding, Hence why we get a dopamine blast. So when we kill a large animal, we find a beehive with all that honey in it, or we build something, or we help other human beings, we get a blast of dopamine. These are natural ways. But when it comes to artificial stimuli, we're getting dopamine in very toxic ways, 
actually the dopamine hits nowadays are so extreme our brains are not used to it at all and i've read books about that which is really interesting how the brain where the dopamine is secreted lights up like christmas trees and it's it's unbelievable and just from clicking a video we get that and you know there's a positive uh, outcome and a toxic outcome to everything right to everything so when it comes to hunting a large animal it's important that we get that hit of dopamine because it's going to make us go and hunt again tomorrow so that we can feed our tribe again that's very useful but how is that useful when we're watching a porn video and we finish but then now we're craving it again later that day or tomorrow dopamine has a seesaw effect in the brain so dopamine on one side is pain and on the other side is pleasure so this is beautifully laid out by psychiatrist anna lemke this is so interesting so think of the seesaw of dopamine and when it goes up to pleasure so you watch porn it goes all the way up to one side and then the pain comes down right because when you watch porn the pain goes down it it numbs all of your your pain and your boredom and your restlessness and the pleasure goes way up and you're super stimulated and you get sucked into it but when you are absent from that huge high the dopamine seesaw starts to come down which means on the other side pain starts to increase and you start to feel irritable restless and then that motivates you to go and seek out the high again so that you can get the pleasure and stop feeling the pain but it's it's important to know that the brain wants to come back to a homeostasis state it doesn't want an extreme pleasure even though it feels so great and you think you do but when you you're away from it you now you have to rely on this thing to make you happy satiated and uh, and relieve you from any sort of discomfort right and and that's what i noticed in myself when i was overcoming porn addiction when, when i would go one day i would get irritable restless and I, it would drive me back into that cycle of addiction now i want to get into the cycle of a habit so in the the there at the beginning of the habit we have the cue so the cue is could be the time of day, the location you're in, or for me, you know, being alone was a cue for watching porn, or attractive women on the street became a cue for me. So cues were everywhere. Now what's so interesting about somebody who goes to AA or who goes to a recovery center for alcohol addiction, what's so interesting is that when they come out of the recovery center, all of their cues are still there. Maybe they've gone uh, 30 days or 60 days or 90 days without alcohol. But when they're brought back into their environment, 
all the cues are still there. So their buddy who goes to the bar might be that cue or the pathway he walks home could be that cue or the time of day, say six o'clock is the cue for him to go to the bar. So those are there and those are problematic, right? Those are something you have to be aware of that there is a cue and you have to break all of these cues. And one way of doing that, which I'll get into later, is to show yourself that you could say no to the cue and, well, do something else, that you could say no. And that's really crucial. But let's get back to the habit cycle. There's the cue, and then there's the craving. And so for me, it was the voice of fuck it, or it could be screw it. That would be the the voice that would propel me into the action. Or it could be the image of the phone or the image of the computer or the image in my mind's eye of that video that I found to be so um, attractive or stimulating. And then I would get a dopamine kick just knowing I was going to watch porn. And that's interesting because that shows that porn was of top value to me, right? Because when you get a dopamine kick, that's what happens. The What you pay attention to the most determines what you value. So if I'm thinking about porn or if I'm visualizing it in my mind's eye, well, what's going to happen? My unconscious mind is basically saying, oh, Brad, this is what's important to you. Let's pursue it. So that's really cool. So then after the cue, we get the craving. And then after the craving, we get the response. So we act out the thing we are addicted to. And then lo and behold, we get the reward, right? The seesaw of pain and pleasure. The pain goes down and the pleasure shoots up. After the reward, what was interesting was that I felt lethargic. I felt guilty. There was a sense of lacking, like the things around me were way less fulfilling. And that's because the seesaw of the pain and pleasure, I mean, that that, that thing was starting to, the pleasure was starting to come down. But, you know, I was, I was overly stimulating myself for an hour. No wonder I felt those things. And porn, for me, it became an outlet when it came to my attraction to women. I, partly, you know, it's it's an excuse to not date or approach them um, because I have an outlet on the computer. That's part of it. But also, I did pursue relationships, but mainly for sexual purposes only. I wanted the experience. I was an ex. I was, and still am, but in other ways, an experienced seeker. I wanted to be engulfed in an experience I still am but in other ways like uh, sometimes I like to be engulfed in a movie I want to be at a rock concert I want to see live music uh, you know as we all do but when it came to relationships I was mostly in it for the sexual reasons and I'll tell you something really personal 
I remember in my previous relationship, after being intimate with her, I would watch porn while she was sleeping. That's right. I felt more stimulated with porn than actual human contact. Now, there are some scientific truths to this because what happens is that when we are overly stimulated by something like porn, it suppresses our oxytocin. Oxytocin is our bonding neurochemical. You know, when you get a hug or you get a pat on the back if you're feeling ill or someone gives you a hug when you're not feeling well, you secrete oxytocin. Now, I feel like that was suppressed when I was uh, watching porn on a regular basis. And it it actually is true. I've read that somewhere. If you want to know whether you are addicted to something, the best way to know is to try and stop. See if you can have a life without it and feel what that would be like. I noticed for me that I would become irritable, aggressive, and very sensitive to sexual cues when I was overcoming porn and going days without it. And then when a cue presented itself, so being alone, for example, I would have to fight this unbelievable urge to watch it. And mostly, hey, I'll tell you something, that circuit would win. I did relapse a hundred times. I mean, it was relapse after relapse. Now, if you think about that circuit in the brain, that's a decade-long brain circuit. So I had to watch my critical self-talk. I had to understand that this thing was over a decade long and has been winning for a decade. And that circuit has always gotten its way. So now that I'm going against it, man, it's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a tough one. First, I had to change my routine, be more productive. Boredom was a huge factor for my habit. So spend time in a new environment. So for me, I would go to the library and read. I'd go to the gym. I'd go to the coffee shop. Then make your goals clear. Why do I want to overcome this addiction? So attach pain to not changing and pleasure to change. Surround yourself with your mentors. That's important. These mentors serve as the ideal, the goal, the North Star to strive towards. So during my days on NoFap, I would go on YouTube and watch their video telling me why NoFap is so beneficial and that would motivate me to go one more day. It was one day at a time. And that's another thing that you have to to perceive and understand is that it's a one day at a time journey. Today, I'm not going to watch it. Today, I'm not going to watch it. Then also, I... I touched upon this earlier. Show yourself you can say no. For me, I felt like this addiction was so far beyond me. It was way too out of, it was out of my grasp. But just by saying no to the craving, that is a breakthrough. 
You have a choice and you don't have to have your thoughts run the show. The brain works by association. If you're in the midst of a craving and you say no, the brain begins to attach an alternative toward the urge rather than immediate impulsive action. That is huge. Now, what's interesting, this is something you can do. If you know the cue, then role play the scenario. Now, what I mean by that is say your cue is being alone. And then when you're alone, what's the ritual? Well, you go and you open up the laptop and then you search on the thing, you close the door, you get the tissues. It's a whole thing. It's same with smoking, same with uh, any other addiction that you have. I mean, there, there are, there's a bunch of things around that, that certain addiction. And so role play it. So say for me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll lock myself in the room. I'll get my laptop out. I'll get the tissues out, but I'm, I'm aware that I'm not going to engage in it. And I close it and I say, no, I don't want to do it. So I'm showing myself that I could say no, right? Role play it. Go through the scenario and pretend that you are somebody who doesn't smoke or somebody who doesn't watch porn. Just pretend. Go through it. The brain needs to be shown that you can say no in this situation. Because so so many like a lot of the time my clients would tell me, Brad, I feel automated. I can't say no. I have to do it. But then I say, you don't have to try role-playing it. You just have to show your brain that you can say no. Do that one time and then you'll you'll see a different side of yourself. You'll see that you could actually say no and, ha- and live this day without that thing. That's, that's huge. Also, have an outlet. You need an outlet. The dopamine kick of reward can come from a workout. It can come from completing a task, cleaning the car, doing something daily that is very productive. It can come from other things, just like the ancestor metaphor I said earlier, from killing an animal to cleaning and and helping out the community and a building. And all of these things were huge blasts of dopamine but find your outlet you need an outlet meditation worked great for me Uh, getting out of the house reading a book at the library was a huge thing for me I just had to break up my routine because uh, you know there were triggers everywhere I went you know my bedroom was a trigger time of day was a trigger women on the street were a trigger and um I just had to show myself that I could say no, even when I was craving the substance or the the material. Now, before I conclude this podcast, I do want to briefly go over what my life is like now without pornography. First of all, I can be more than my thoughts. That's a huge thing that I don't have to play out what I imagine and think. 
I can overcome something that was so beyond me in size. So I, I saw a different side of myself. And I've noticed that my relationships and the quality of my relationships have changed. Real relationships are not like porn. Porn was about finding that perfect video of the perfect woman. And, well, real relationships involve seeing the other person at their worst when they're sick and all of their imperfections. I no longer feel I need to escape reality. And then the simple pleasures, like a conversation, holding hands, a kiss with my fiance, that's stimulating for me. There are no guilty feelings now of watching porn. I don't have to hide from this. There are no secrets. And then I, and also because I'm not blasting. That dopamine system, there, there, are, there is no irritability and frustration. And also, I no longer need huge stimulating blasts of dopamine to make life enjoyable. I get that from an, a movie, right? It actually enhances my movie-going experience. And I find that in my current disciplines, in my contribution to the recovery community is so rewarding for me. Helping you guys with your struggles brings a lot of dopamine and satisfaction and gratitude in my life. And to watch you guys progress along this journey is so rewarding to me. And lastly, Living a minimal primitive lifestyle, so being away from external influence that society projects, but you can't really be away from it, but being more aware of that influence and not acting upon the influence, right? That's the thing. Society wants us to keep us hooked. Big food corporations want to keep us hooked. The Netflix, uh, social media, they want to keep us hooked, right? And I've noticed that I don't buy into it because I'm living a more minimal lifestyle than the lifestyle I used to live. More primitive, time away from too many distractions and toxic uh, substances and mood-altering conscious altering substances and experiences right so time away really increased and enhanced the quality of my life and that's where i'm going to leave you today on this podcast episode thank you everybody so much for being here being a part of my story and being a part of this recovery community i am so grateful and lastly do not let anxiety define who you are. If you're interested in coaching, please go to unpluganxiety.com and under contact, you can just send me a message asking me a question or just click on the one-on-one coaching tab and all the details are there and my coaching packages are there for you to check and uh, read over and you can sign up there.
I'll see you guys next time. Rise above anxiety. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com.